Daniel chapter 7, starting at verse 13 on page 893 of the Church Bibles. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Well, Jesus, the Son of Man, now speaks about what is going to happen when he comes with all this authority and power and sits on his glorious throne. We're in Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? <coughs> then the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was ill and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or ill in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Here is the reality of judgment. Jesus will judge all people. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them. You know, in the Old Testament, God said that he would come in glory one day that he would sit on his throne and he would judge all people. And now this man uh, in 30 AD is sitting around with his 12 disciples on a mountain outside Jerusalem and he says, I am going to come in my glory. I am going to sit on my throne and I will judge all people. Do you see what this incredible claim is from this human being, this son of man? For the Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son. At that point, there are 12 people gathered around him. But the day will come when all nations will be gathered before him. What does that look like? Well, that's the 8 billion people 
alive in the world today from 195 nations. That's just the beginning. They're the people alive now. There's the people of the past and the people still to come. There's the very young and the very old. There are the great leaders of our world, the religious leaders, Moses and Buddha and Muhammad. They will stand before Jesus on his judgment throne. There's the political leaders, the great powerful people of our world, Hitler, Gandhi, Putin, Trump. They will all stand before his judgment throne. And there are the ordinary Joe Blows, like you and I, who no one remembers from the centuries past, every single one of them. There's your neighbours, your friends, your workmates, your parents. There'll be you and me. And every one of us will stand before Jesus on his throne to be judged. I don't know how you feel about that. I can have a hazard a guess. You feel the same as me, really, a little awkward, uh, a little embarrassed. Not sure that you want to talk about that to other people. You hope that your non-Christian friends and family don't find out that that's what you believe. But it's actually really good news, don't you think? That there's going to be justice, and justice for everyone. We love it when we hear that someone who's done something wrong goes to court, they get convicted, and they actually get put away. My brother is a homicide detective. I said, what is the best part of your job? It's when the guy gets put away and you go to the pub with your mates to celebrate because that's what it's all about for you. We agree. And justice in our world seems to be for some but not for others. Other people escape because they've got enough money for a good lawyer. They keep their deeds secret or frankly they die before they meet justice. That, as far as we know, man who murdered his wife and his children will never see justice because he killed himself. That's not fair, is it? Wouldn't it be good if there was justice for a man like that? There is. There'll be a judgment day and all nations will be there. And we worry too, don't we, that can the judge really get it right? Will he know everything? Will there be, if there's extenuating circumstances, will he or she, the judge, take that into account? Will the laws be right that the judge is ruling upon? Well, who'd be better at it than Jesus? Remember what his enemies said? You're a man of integrity. We know you teach the way of God and you're not swayed by people. That's the sort of person you'd want. And you'd want a just judge who is also merciful who better than Jesus who died to save people from judgment here is really good news Jesus will judge all people that's the reality of judgment what's the outcome Jesus will judge all people to eternal life and or, or, or eternal punishment. See again, 31. The Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him. He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Apparently in the Middle East, sheep and goats look similar. 
but not to a shepherd who knows his sheep and can separate them. So the Son of Man, it's a simple analogy, will separate people, all people, into just two groups. And the outcomes couldn't be more different, could they? Verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What a wonderful invitation. Wouldn't you love to hear those words? And this is not sitting on a cloud wishing that your mobile phone had not run out of battery because you're bored. This is sharing in your master's happiness. This is a kingdom that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. This is eternal life, it says, verse 46. This is what we call heaven. What's the other outcome, verse 41? Well, it's a little different, isn't it? Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, not come, depart. You who are not blessed but cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Wouldn't you hate to hear those words? This is eternal punishment, it says, verse 46. This is not a party with your mates. This is depart from Jesus and everything that is good and experience instead his punishment. Jesus will judge all people to eternal life or punishment. Now, even if you think that judgment and justice is good news, I think you really struggle with this, don't you? That there are only two outcomes and that one of them is hell. The worst thing that someone can ever say about you as a preacher is not that you're boring. It's that you are a fire and brimstone preacher. You know, people talk about old preachers, they're a real fire and brimstone preacher, as as if they should be put in a pit and covered up, because that is so old-fashioned, and it's all about fear and control, and we're not into that anymore. Well, Jesus was a fire and brimstone preacher, wasn't he? Some people today, we, we, we reject hell or we reduce it. We say it's, it, it's not eternal, it's just for a short bit of time, and it's really only for a very small group of people, for those who've been really, really bad. Or more likely, we ignore it and never talk about it. But Jesus didn't reject hell. He didn't reduce hell. He didn't ignore hell. In fact, he talked about it often. Is there a literal fire in hell? I don't know. But it is a real place of punishment. And we like to call this story the parable of the sheep and the goats. But it's not called a parable. And it's not presented as a parable. It's not about a master who goes on a journey and leaves three bags of gold. That's a parable of Jesus going, isn't it? The only parabolic bit like is when he says, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, then he doesn't mention the shepherd any longer. It's a straight-talking portrayal of what will happen on Judgment Day. This is the reality and the outcome of judgment. And if you reject or reduce or ignore hell, you're rejecting Jesus because that's what he said. There is no halfway place. There is no waiting room after death where you work your way up. For those ready for Jesus' return, this is a glorious day where Jesus says, Come, 
And for those who are not ready for Jesus' return, this is a terrifying day when he says, depart. Do you believe that? That's the reality and the outcome of judgment. Jesus will judge all to eternal life or punishment. But on what basis? How does he divide up the sheep and the goats here? How does he decide? Well, as you read through what Jesus says, that seems clear, doesn't it? It's all about what you've done. Verse 35. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. The, sheep, the people on his right did these things for Jesus. The people on his left, you did not do these things for Jesus. And when they both query him about when it was that he needed these things, he says it was when others were in need. So the basis for judgment seems to be whether you did or didn't for people in need. In fact, there's an old uh, Keith Green song. He was a Christian singer many, many decades ago, and he used to thump out songs and try and get these Christians actually doing something with their lives. And he has a terrific song about the sheep and the goats. And right at the end of the song, at the very climax of the song, he, he sings this. My friends, the only difference between the sheep and the goats, according to this scripture, is what they did, bang, on the piano, and didn't, bang. Do. And if you're not scared before the end of the song, you're very scared at that point. It does seem to be what you do, doesn't it? And there's a part of us that wants that. We think looking after the poor, caring for those who are in sick or are in prison, that's really important. That's real religion, we think. And so we sort of think that should be the basis for the outcome, the deciding whether you're in or out. We want that to be the basis. But is that really what you want? Imagine what that would be like. Imagine the pressure you would feel. Have you visited enough sick people? What about that one person you refuse to give money to? Imagine what uncertainty there would be. Imagine Ivan Lee, knowing he was dying for the last four and a half years of his life. He should be quaking in his boots. How would he ever know that he had done enough? Imagine those who get into the kingdom as they meet one another. Well, who did you visit in prison? Well, which jail did you go to? How often? I went every week. Oh, only every fortnight. You scraped in, didn't you? Can you imagine the pride in heaven? Is that what you want? Is that what God would want? And this is not, it's not just that this is not really what we want. It simply cannot be true. You look at the words that Jesus says. He does not say, well done, those on my right. Congratulations, you've scraped through. You've blitzed the test. It's nothing like an opening of your HSC results, is it? Or an acceptance into a university course. He says, come, you who are blessed by my Father. This is not achievement. And see what Jesus says next, the very next thing. Chapter 26, verse 2. 
Could it be that you do enough to get into heaven? Jesus says, the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Why would he say that? If he's just declared that you get into heaven by what you do. Why does he need to be crucified? Later on in the chapter, when he says to God, take this cup away from me, for he does not want to die. And yet God says, no, there is no other way for people to be saved than you, my son, than for you to die. It cannot be that getting in is about what you do. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, he says there, verse 35, it's really clear, isn't it? It's how you treat Jesus. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. It's how you respond to Jesus. And who is it that you do these things to, to show that you are doing them for Jesus? Well, verse 40, both groups question this, don't they? They don't know how it was or when it was that they saw Jesus in need. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, we'll actually think that that means anyone in need. You might have seen some posters or some brochures with that verse on it, imploring you to give money to care for those in need. For we are all brothers in mankind, sisters in mankind, and we need to care for each other. We think like that, don't we? But Jesus didn't. Not once did he talk about the human race in general as all being a family as all being brothers and sisters. There is no way here that that's what Jesus can mean. Right through Matthew's Gospel, when he says brothers and sisters, he has in mind his disciples. In chapter 12, his brothers come to take him away because they think he's gone mad. And he says to the people who have come, who are my brothers and sisters? Those who do the will of my Father. In chapter 28, he says to the women, go to my brothers and tell them I'll meet them in Galilee. Does he mean go out into the streets, call everyone, we're all going to Galilee? Of course not. He means his disciples. His brothers and sisters are those who follow him. And at this point in Matthew's gospel, he is sending out those who follow him as his messengers. He's done that once before. In chapter 10, he sent them out on a mission. And he said, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. If anyone gives you even a cup of cold water, he will receive his reward. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. Do you see the same language? He was sending them out then. They were his messengers, and however people responded to them was how they responded to Jesus. Now he is sending them out again, sending them out to all nations, Matthew 28. They will be his messengers, these brothers of his, and how you respond to them is how you respond to him. So when on that judgment day he says to those on his right, when I was in need, you cared for me. When he says, when you did this to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, he means his disciples, those who follow him, his messengers. For it's how you respond to Jesus that determines what Jesus will say to you. If Jesus' messengers come to you and bringing the message of Jesus and you say, come, then you have said, come to Jesus. And Jesus will say, come to you 
on that last day. If people come to you with the message of Jesus and you say, I'm not interested, depart from me, I don't want to hear, then you are saying, depart from me to Jesus. And on that last day, Jesus will say, depart from me to you. The basis of his separation into these two groups is how you've responded to Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we share the message of Jesus with other people. For it's not about how much money you give to the poor. It's not about how many sick people you visit. It's not about how well you care for your dying relative. It's not about whether you work in a mission hospital. It won't make any difference to what Jesus will say to you on the judgment day. It's about how you've responded to him. And we show how we've responded to Jesus by how we respond to his people. Primarily here, I think Jesus means his messengers who are going out. They are going to be sick and in need and thrown in prison. How will you respond to them? And then it spills over into how we treat all of Jesus' people, his brothers and sisters. If we've responded to Jesus, we will show that by our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Reality, outcome, basis of Jesus' judgment. And finally, surprisingly, that gives us the comfort of judgment. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. He's just told them that he's leaving. There'll be disasters, distress and deceivers before he returns. They're being sent out as messengers to all nations and they're going to tell people about him and he's about to get crucified. Many will reject them. Many will see them hungry. Many will throw them in prison and they will not look after you. We experience that too. People in our families make fun of us and mock us and leave us out of things in our workplace. They make jokes about us perhaps. And it hurts. And we try and remember that it's not personal. They're rejecting Jesus, not us. But it hurts. And we wonder whether anyone notices or cares. Don't you think the disciples would have thought that as they were martyred for Jesus? Jesus says... Whatever they do to you because of me, they are doing it to me. Even when no one else notices, I notice. I take it personally when people mistreat you because of me. And Jesus says, this is a comfort, I will hold them to account. That's a comfort. There's an even greater comfort, isn't there? To these disciples who know that lots of people are going to reject them and throw them in prison, there will be some who accept it. Do you see here? There are two groups, and they are both massive groups, I take it. All nations. And there's not this this little group of 12, and you might get two or three others, disciples, don't worry. No, on that last day there will be great multitudes who reject me, but also those who accept me. And we know that's true because you and I are part of that multitude. That is a great comfort. 
And it's a great comfort too, isn't it, that when, when you and I care for Jesus' people, when we give money that supports Christians who are being persecuted or who are just in great need around the world, when you visit someone who's sick, cook them a meal, pray with someone, share an encouraging word with someone, and you actually wonder whether anyone notices, whether anyone knows. Maybe it's only the other person who knows, and sometimes they don't even seem to appreciate it or thank you. You wonder if anyone notices. Does someone notice? Yeah. Jesus says, when you do this for the least of my brothers, you do it for me. I notice. I take it personally. Come. Enter the kingdom prepared for you. Jesus said to be ready. Be ready because he's going to come and judge all people. He will judge all people to eternal life or eternal punishment. And it will all be about how you've responded to him. It's a great word of comfort. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, these are difficult words from Jesus. Difficult words to understand and even more difficult to accept. Help us not to reject Jesus and what he says, but to see this good news that he will judge all people. And Father, we see that that judgment will be based on how people have responded to him. So help us to respond to him. Help us to share the news about him with others so they might respond to him. And Father, we thank you for the great comfort, the comfort of knowing that there will be many who respond to Jesus and that whenever we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, even when they don't appreciate it, when no one else notices, Jesus notices, takes it personally and blesses us. We pray it in Jesus' name.